It's good to be back with you here this evening. We're glad for the presence of each one of you. And I would just like to say that I've been blessed each evening by the people that show up for our prayer service. It's a tremendous encouragement. As Brother Matt was sharing, he shared that sometimes we, as leaders, as ministers, we share a message and we have no clue exactly how it's going to affect people. One of my struggles is that, you know, there's somewhere the Lord gives an unction and a burden to prepare a message in a certain direction. And then the hour comes to bring the message and you're saying, why, Lord? Why? I, suddenly there's doubts and, you know, the scripture is full and you feel so inadequate to share on the subject and uh, you know why Lord and and yet we move in faith so uh, again this evening I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the one who is Lord of heaven and earth and yet he humbled himself and he came to earth and to re he came here to redeem you and I he has made a way that we can be freed from our sins and live in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. What a blessing this evening. As we think of our Lord Jesus Christ, beyond Philippians, it tells us there that we're to let this mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. It was on to say he thought it not robbery to be equal, though he was in the form of God, uh, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Yet he made of himself no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant and became uh, born into flesh. And being fashioned as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient, even obedient to the death of the cross. Uh, Paul says we're to let this mind be in us also. Uh, as we think of the mind this evening, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Again, speaking of the mind, and I'll look more at the mind. The subject this evening is the mind. Keeping the mind. You know, the New Testament has a lot of, a lot of, a lot to say about the mind and yet I believe this evening that God gives us the responsibility to keep the mind uh, how do we possess the thought processes of the mind and uh, is are the thought processes of the mind are they modeled after Christ are they modeled after God's will and his purposes for me? Or are my thought processes after, the, after my own imaginations, are they after my own will and mine own lusts and desires? You know, if we look at the mind in the New Testament, I considered the spectrum that I see there. And one is to have the mind of Christ. But if we go to Romans chapter 1, verse 28, it has the other spectrum where it says God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A mind that was totally rejected by God because of the evil that was contained in the mind. And I'll probably repeat this, but I believe the issues of life our battles are going to be won or lost in the seat of the mind. I, I, and so the question is, how do we process the thoughts? And the passage of scripture that I want to read uh, is from First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter one. Uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse six and read to verse twelve. Uh, Verse, verse 6 says, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, 
That putting in remembrance is a stirring up of the mind. He says, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be thou therefore, uh, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purposes and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. As we look at this passage of scripture here, I see... Uh, three things I see first of all Paul is stirring up Timothy uh, to think properly he, he's he's calling him to remembrance he's stirring up the mind then he reminds Timothy that we have been empowered by God he says we have not been given the spirit of fear Fear comes out of a process of the mind. But he has given us the power uh, of love and of power and of a sound mind. We'll look at the, the sound mind uh, as we go through the message here. We'll think of the sound mind. But then we find with that power of the mind, you go out with a full persuasion against the kingdom of the enemy. Again, our minds are a miraculous part of our being. You know, we think about all the creation that God has created, all the creatures. Uh, you know, he has a mind. They have, they have somewhat of a mind, but, you know, they basically function according to the order that God has. For that species. Only to man has he given the ability to gather information, to acquire knowledge, and to be able to process thoughts of his mind to make intelligent decisions regarding pretty much every facet of life. God gave us a mind. Uh, and again, the Victories and defeats of life begin in the mind, the seed of knowledge, the persuasion of the mind. As we look at uh, this passage of scripture this evening, uh, you know, verse 6, we find that Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, he says, I put thee in remembrance. That remembrance is a stirring of the mind. You know, he says, I want you to remember the gift that God gave you. He says, you know, you received a gift from God, uh, and, and I, wanna, I want you to think about that, and then I want you to go forth using that gift. I'd like to just look a little bit at Timothy and some of the thought processes of his life. If we go back into Acts chapter 16, that's where we're introduced to Timothy. Verses 1 to 4, it says, Paul, Paul and his missionary team on their second missionary journey 
He says, he came to Derby and Lystria, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewish, a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and he took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. You know, as I look at this passage, you know, Timothy, as a young man, had to make some choices. I'm not sure how old Timothy was at this point. There's different, different ideas that you get from different commentators, but I kind of gather he might have been in his late teens or his low 20s. He was a young man. He had made a choice. Uh, if we go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, we find that his mother was a woman of faith. His grandmother was a woman of faith. And that they, uh, you know, obviously it would seem that they would have responded to the invitation of the gospel on Paul's first missionary journey. As Paul visited those cities, he preached the gospel, he baptized members, he uh, put, in church, uh, put in place church leadership, and he goes back to Caesarea where he had started his journey from, and then he goes down to Jerusalem for the Jerusalem conference. Now it's several years later, and he goes back visiting these churches. And here is this young man, Timothy. Uh, it says here his mother was a, uh, was a, Jew, uh, a Jewess, but the father was a Greek. And so we have, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of different ideas presented in the home, there was probably a lot of different options for Timothy. But you know, Timothy had to process that in his mind and make a choice, what he was going to do, what he was going to respond to, uh, what he was going to make of life. Uh, we find that he was, he made a good choice. He was well spoken of, he was well reported of by the brethren. Uh, then comes the option or the call. Uh, it says there that Paul would have him go with him uh, and serve with him on the, uh, on the ministry that, that uh, Paul was called to, that of establishing and planting churches in the Gentile world. And so, again, there was a choice. There was a choice of the mind on the part of Timothy. He had to process that. He had to make a choice. And we find that he chose to go with Paul, and he was ordained there as part of Paul's team of, of preachers and, and missionaries going out into these uh, different places. Again, it was a choice of the mind. Another thing we see here that uh, in verse 4, no, in, uh, no, in verse 3, it tells, him, tells us there that Paul would have him to go with him, and he took and he circumcised him because of the Jews which were in the quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And so what I see there is that Timothy was willing to submit himself uh, to uh, things that may not have been necessary uh, for every, every person. You know, we know Paul... Uh, the, the Jewish writ of circumcision, when you go into the book of Galatians, uh, Paul makes it very clear that that part of the Jewish law is not to be associated as a necessity for salvation. It, it's, it's not a part of, you know, Timothy didn't submit himself to that so that he could be saved. But he submitted to himself beyond what is required of salvation so he could be effective in ministry to the people to whom God called him to minister. You know, again, that was a process of Timothy's mind. That was a choice he made. And I'm sure, you know, and I don't know how your mind works, but, you know, sometimes my mind rolls around, yes, I will, no, I won't, yes, I will, no, I won't, I don't have to, I don't think it's right. I, uh, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, we, we eventually got to come to a mind 
a state of mind that glorifies Christ. And so we have Timothy. Paul is, Paul is reminding Timothy of his calling. And, uh, you know, the power to think about life circumstances uh, that affect me and to process them in a way that is right so that God can redeem and use me for his glory and purpose. You know, that is, that is something that is so important. You know, we, we, we can look at people that didn't have easy situations in life to choose. And we can look at all the way from the faithful men of God from Abel unto Jesus Christ. You know, in that whole spectrum, God's men, God's women that are going to be used of him are going to be tried by fire. There is a trying that comes. Uh, we could think about Abraham. You know, Abraham... He followed the call of God to a strange land to separate himself from what was comfortable and normal so that God could use him and establish him. We have the man Joseph. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of times when Joseph said, why? Why? And I'm sure there was a lot of times where Joseph could be angry and Joseph could have been bitter. But he processed those challenges in his mind in a way that God could redeem it. I, I think that is powerful this evening. You know, we look at him being tried. He was, he, he was the object of hate and animosity of his brothers. You know, he was sold into slavery of Egypt. He was, he was challenged with the temptations of immorality and sin and wickedness there in, in Egypt. And you know, there's many people would take them thoughts of their mind and they would process them and say that, well, I couldn't help for where I am. I can't help for what's going on. And so I'm just going to go along with it. That's a process of the mind that many people fall for today. We could look at Moses. We could look at David. You know, they, and it comes all the way up to Jesus Christ where it says in Hebrews that we are to consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint. Where are you going to faint? In your minds. Lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. I would like to say this evening, Satan strategically targets the mind. You know, as we look at the mind, the mind to the physical person, to, the, to, to you and I, is like the capital city of the soul. And, and in warfare, you know, the, the opposing enemy... His goal is for the capital city and to destroy the government that is there. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do in the minds and hearts of men. As we look in society around us today, we can see that he's having heyday with that. And I think most of us have been close enough to circumstances that we work with within the church that we could say, yes, this person right here is in a battle for the mind. You know, there's, there's thoughts being presented, and their, their choices are not good. But we come back to Timothy. Paul says, I, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you, which was given to you by God through the acknowledgement of the brotherhood. Uh, that's, in essence, what I gather from this. Uh, you, you have been given, and, and why is it? that, you know, Paul writes this to Timothy. You know, I think you and I, from time to time, need to be stirred in our minds. Stirred to write thought processes so that we can 
be used to the fullest extent by our Lord Jesus Christ. And the other thing I see here in this passage of Scripture, and that is that Paul saw it his duty to encourage a young man that somehow he sensed was struggling in his mind. Um, I just like to say that, you know, we, we are a brotherhood. We all, at times, are at war in our minds. And how important is the ministry of encouragement within the brotherhood? To stop and to take a brother aside and, and, and say, you know, I sense there's, this, there's something that is struggling. Um, and to be there and encourage them. And I'd like to say this evening that encouragement and flattery are two different things. You know, you, you know, how are you today? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm great. You know, well, uh, you know, you say a couple nice words and, and you go on your way. But I'd like to say, like, flattery is sort of like a Tylenol treating cancer. It really doesn't, really doesn't do a whole lot in the, in the end of the day. True encouragement is to be willing to acknowledge strengths, we see in other people. It's the encouragement is to be able to uh, acknowledge progress that is seen in others, but it is also willing to care and to talk about the deep issues of the heart and the soul. What's going on in your heart? You know, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. When, when you ask a person how you are and the response is, oh, I'm well, we're all happy. We, we're ready to let it go even though we're not so sure and convinced that it's well. A lot of times that individual needs someone to press in and say, no, really, you know, how is it going? And, and to be a brother to encourage. I think Timothy... The godly man that he was. I think one of the things that we see in the character of Timothy, and that was that he had a tendency of being a little timid and kind of trying to draw out of the, draw away from the fight, you might say. He was, he, he was ready to kind of back away, and we'll, we'll look at that a little more as we look at the next verse, as we look at thinking about empowered but true encouragement helps build a right thought process in the mind of the struggling. You know, when we, you know, the, the, negative, the negative responses to fear, discouragement, uh, depression, and those kind of things generally stem out of a processing of the issues of life in the mind in a way that continues to drag us down. We can focus on the negative, or we can focus on what God is doing, and yet I realize that uh, there are some that will struggle more. They need more encouragement. They need more help. And that's, 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 that, that's not necessarily a negative as long as we're fighting the battle for a sound mind. We need to be encouragers one of another. So now Paul gets a little closer to the issue. As we go to verse, verse 8, he says, uh, Be thou, uh, no, in verse 7, where it says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. You know, when we live in a spirit of fear, there's, our thought processes change. Uh, if we go back into 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now here, the word fear in, in John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, 
has the idea of phobos or a phobia, something that we are deathly afraid of. But he said perfect love casts out fear. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. Uh, but, you know, God doesn't want us to be paralyzed by fear. You know, fear tends to paralyze us. Now, we come to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. The word here is not phobia, but it is dialia, which is simply the tendency of being timid. Um, you know, we're... We just tend to want to draw back. Uh, if you look at Proverbs 28.1, it said, The wicked man flees when none pursueth him, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, while I say that, you know, it says there that, you know, we're to be as bold as a lion, it doesn't say we're to act like a lion. I, I, I hope you can put the difference there. Uh, but there's still that thing that we don't feel like we have to hide, that we have to run, that we have to be apologetic about what we believe. Uh, we don't have to be apologetic about the church that Christ has called us to be a part of. Uh, we don't have to fear to be ready always to give an answer of the reason of hope that lieth within us with meekness and fear. You know, it's God... God, we don't have to be, uh, you know, feeling defeated or intimidated by the message of the gospel that we have. And yet, as we look at Timothy here, Paul is saying, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, how often are my choices affected because of a fear of man? You know, if I do... You might feel that God is working in your life, but if I, if I follow after uh, and give God full control of my life, what, what will this person think? What will that person think? You know, or don't you struggle with that? You know, that, that thought of what will others think? Um, I think it's not that we become indifferent to other people's thoughts because we need their input in our lives. But, but you know, that, that drawing back because of a fear of man uh, brings a snare, uh, as, as it tells us in the scripture. Uh, so Paul is encouraging Timothy. He says, God didn't give us that spirit of fear. But he gave us the spirit of power, a spirit of love, uh, spirit of love, and a spirit of power and of a sound mind. Uh, as we think of that spirit of love and the spirit of power, uh, it tells us in Acts, it says that after you receive, uh, but you shall receive the gift of, the, uh, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God has given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love. And that spirit of love is the valuing of other people above ourselves. The ability to love even people who are unlovely. You know, God gives us that spirit of of, of care for other people, to value other people above myself. We are called by Jesus to love our neighbor as ourself. John in 1 John says, By this we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. If we go back into Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, it tells us there that we're to let love be without dissimulation. Or that word dissimulation there is hypocrisy. Or let our love be genuine toward the brotherhood. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. And then the point here that drew me into this passage was that he has given us a spirit of a sound mind. 
And again, I come back that the battle for spiritual victory is often lost or won in the battlefield of the mind. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, as a, as a person thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I'd like to just look now at the idea that in the scripture, we often find the heart and the mind closely knit together. He says, here is a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There's a very close connection between the heart and the mind. But as I look at the scriptures, there's a difference in that the mind is the seat of the thought and the intellect, and the heart is the seat of emotion and feelings. And yet where one goes, the other goes. They're very closely tied together. As I pondered this, I finally came to the conclusion it's, it's, it's like a cart and a horse. You know, you, you have the, the horse pulls the cart. And we've all heard, and when, when the cart and the horse are hitched up, where the, heart, or where the horse goes, the cart follows. But we've all heard the statement that we can't get the cart before the horse. You get the cart before the horse, you have a mess on your hands. Nothing really seems to happen. And so God, our thought processes affect the feeling and the emotion. And on the other hand, what we are driven by emotionally will affect the mind. That's how closely they're connected. If you look at the advertising world today, what are they trying to target? The mind or the emotion? They are targeting the emotion. And the emotion then is supposed to cause a response in the mind. As we think about this sound mind, the mind is not to be controlled by the emotion, but the mind is to control the emotional aspects of our person. Uh, going on, thinking about the mind, uh, the mind is mentioned, I didn't check how many times the mind is mentioned in just the New Testament, but it's a lot. And actually in the New Testament, there is 12 different Greek words that translate mind into the English King James Version of the Bible. The first one is the mind is referred to the Greek word noos, and that is the idea of the sense, the seat of reflective consciousness the comprising the faculty of perception and understanding. It's a place where judgments and determinations are made. That is a nous. Uh, Romans 1.28, it says, where they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That, that word knowledge there is, could be translated mind. It's comes from the Greek word noos. Uh, it was a mind that had rejected God. Anything that, anything that God had said or very, the, the very person and the existence of God was rejected in their mind. You know, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, in their mind. Ephesians 4.17 tells us that we're not as other Gentiles who walk, in the vanity of their minds. You know, there it has the idea, the nous, it's, it's, it's a place where knowledge, information is stored. It's where we choose uh, what we're going to, to keep, what we're going to reject. It's where we take knowledge and we begin to process it and come to determinations and conclusions. Um, if I were putting it in computer language, I'd probably say it's a hard drive. 
As we look at some of these others, we'll look at maybe what is a little more likened to the software. It's what makes that hard drive connect the dots of information together. But in, in the, the, the second word, mind, uh, is dianoa. And it has the idea, the process of thoughts and meditation, knowing and understanding and reflecting with moral reflections on the implications of choices. But that's, uh, we look at some, some verses there. Uh, Dianoa, it's the process of thinking and choosing. Matthew 22:37 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. To love God with all our heart is a conscious choice of the mind. It's not a mere emotion. It's something we thought through. God is worthy. I will give my allegiance to him. I will love him. And that love is going to be expressed by the choices of the mind. And so we have uh, the, the, the third word that is very commonly translated into mind is forneo. Now forneo comes a little, a little more precise. When it talks about the forneo, it has the idea of to be minded in a certain way, to be persuaded in mind. Now that persuasion can either be persuaded rightly, or it can be persuaded in the area of a reprobate mind that has rejected God. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a choice, it's a conclusion of mind. In, verse, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says it like this. He says, So they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's one set of processes of the mind. Uh, and he says, They that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. Two individual uh, separated choices of the mind but it is left to the responsibility of the individual to choose. And I would like to say, you know, we go back into the book of 1 John, it talks there about trying the spirits. He says there's many spirits going in, out into the world. Uh, therefore, we need to try the spirits. And I would like to say, in the spirit world, the, the, the target of the spirit world is the mind. Uh, that's, where, that's where our thoughts are affected. That's where each one rallies for control of the mind. And we know God has given his Holy Spirit into the life of the believer. And that Holy Spirit is to be the, the voice of God to the mind. And we need to be very diligent to follow the leading of God's Spirit. And I would like to say that God's Spirit is determined by God's Word. Where God's Spirit goes, God's Word goes. God's Spirit never testifies against the Word of God. Never. And, you know, God's Holy Spirit will always follow to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Uh, in John 16, I think it is, <coughs> it talks about the Holy Spirit coming, and it has the idea there that the Spirit is going to point us to the person of Jesus Christ and the ways of Christ. So, uh, coming back, the... Uh, the word for neo has the idea of a persuasion of mind. Uh, we can be controlled. That persuasion of mind can be of one of two persuasions. But when it comes here to 2 Timothy, 
The word that is used here in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, where it talks about a sound mind, that word sound mind is one Greek word, which is sophoproneo, which again has the idea of a right mind. A right mind. God has given us the spirit of a right mind. A mind that is kept under the power of God and His Spirit, so that the thought patterns of the mind are going to be thought patterns that are going to glorify God and they're going to cause us to live in victory, you know, and not defeat. It's a mind that is patterned and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, another passage of Scripture that uses this Safa for Neo in Luke chapter 8, verse 35, you have here the, the, the account of the, the legion, uh, the demonic man that was there in the, the, the land of the Gadarenes. And when Jesus came, it says he was out among the tombs and he was cutting himself with stones and he wore no clothing. He was a, he was a man whose mind was in a state of out of control. But you know, Jesus drove the demons out of that individual. They went into the swine. The, the people heard what happened to the swine, so they came out to see what was going on. And when he got out there, in Luke 8, chapter 35, it says, and he went out to see what was done, and they came to, and they came to Jesus, and they found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his sophophrenio, in his right mind. You know, that is the mind that God gives to those who will surrender their life and heart to him. Now, as I look at this sound mind, if we go to uh, Titus chapter 2, he tells us there, young men likewise exhort to be Safa Proneo, uh, of a sober mind, a mind that is serious, a mind that is controlled by the will that has been surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, the mind, uh, again I come back, that Satan wages all-out attack against the mind. You know, he propagates all kinds of lies, he brings all kinds of corruption to try to deceive and to destroy the minds of men. God gives us the responsibility of controlling our mind and the thought processes. If we go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 4, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And we're not firing missiles and guns and swords and all those things that carnal warfare uses to fight. But, uh, but our, our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to get that, the idea of pulling down strongholds. It's destroying a fixed position of the enemy. We're going out, we're going to take that position of the enemy away. Uh, he says here what that enemy is. That stronghold, he says, casting down imaginations. Imaginations are thoughts of the mind that are not under the control of God's Spirit. Imaginations are not reality. He says here, we cast down imaginations, and we cast down everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. In our minds, we cannot help the birds from flying over our heads but we can keep them from building a nest on our head. That's the same idea here. 
we will have thoughts that will pass through the mind. How long they stay there, how long we meditate upon them, is up to us. Evil thoughts that are cuddled in the mind and cherished will bring people to destruction. Just been involved in a with some people. A young couple got married less than a year. Well, it's about a, straight a year right now, but it was less than a year when this took place. There was an attempted suicide, part of the wife, only to find out that right ahead of that, there was marital unfaithfulness. She claims that she staggered upon an on, uh, online dating website and in a matter of hours, there was a stranger at her house, and the sin was committed. And of course, it, it, it was just one of them things that just happened. Brothers and sisters, those kind of things don't just happen to the mind that is under Christ. There was something that was going array in the seat of the mind for a period of time. I'm not, I don't know how long a period of time. But brothers and sisters, this morning, God wants us to maintain a purity of mind. Thoughts that arise, that militate against the doctrine of Christ and his holiness, need to be dismissed from our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have that power. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I was a part of, I was on the Fresh Start advisory board for a number of years, and I think most of us know what Fresh Start is. It's a, it's a place where we... Uh, where they work in a, in a mentoring ministry with men with behavioral disorders. And Brother Abe Knepp, he had a statement that he would say again and again. And that is that there's a lot of stinking thinking going on in the mind. And he said, if we want to have victory in life, we need to deal with the stinking thinking. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. We must guard our minds with all diligence. That our minds are the same type of mind that Christ had. You know, and, and again I say, there's going to thoughts, there's going to temptations come. But if we are walking with Christ, there is power that we can be victorious. He goes on here to say, he said, We cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is a responsibility that has been entrusted to us in keeping the mind. You know, and I found in my life, the longer we're going to allow things to stay in the mind, the more the battle is going to be to overcome it. You think maybe I'll just enjoy thinking about this for an hour. Don't work. You know, God is telling us here, Christ is telling us here through the Apostle Paul, and we're to take that thought captive. And we're to destroy that. And, and then it goes on to say in verse 6, he says, And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now we're ready to go out 
and to engage in battle and, and bring encouragement and, and discipleship to those that are struggling. That's the call we have tonight. Going back again to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I like what Paul says. And I'd like you, uh, for you as I read these verses, to think about the choices of the mind on behalf of Apostle Paul. Verse 11 says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. There was a choice of surrender on the part of Paul so that God could bring that into his life. Verse 12, For which cause I also suffer these things. Uh, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. You know, shame, shame is a good thing. It helps us to acknowledge the awfulness of sin. But on the other hand, the devil wants us to be ashamed of our testimony and our witness. Paul said, I am not ashamed. That was a choice of a sound mind. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, for I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded. I am confident that the truths that God has spoken in his word, I am confident of the call that he has placed on my life, that he is real. And he says, you know, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And we go back into chapter 4, Paul says, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but to all those that love his appearing, to all those that are going to discipline their mind to set them on the promises of God and to keep the mind pure and clean so that we can function in life to the glory of God. As I said, I struggle at times to know why I was asked to bring the message, why that burden was laid in my heart to prepare it. But maybe you do. If the Lord is speaking to you, if there's that struggle of mind that is not pure and is not clean, I'm going to ask you to make it known tonight. Find freedom, find help to overcome the struggle of the mind as we sing an invitation song this evening. Let us just bow our heads for a word of prayer.